When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Episode 79 is the January episode. <laughs> okay. Which the only January I know, well, I don't know her. <laughs> Let's be clear. The only January I have he- heard is January Jones. January Jones, yep. Which Mad Men, oh, good show. <laughs> that's another That's another good one I keep contemplating restarting as a <laughs> background thing because I probably watched it all the way through twice and mm-hmm. sporadically a third Right. time i could go for i could go for third all the way through fourth in general yeah i've seen it through once and Good then show. like little episodes here and there i mean it's my era so of course i'm looking at every <laughs> detail in the background so january <laughs> and you know while we're on it, betty draper tragic character oh yeah when you really think about it she just mm-hmm. comes off super vain and superficial but like tragic character yeah you know and i remember in my like as I do, I watch YouTube videos of people that overanalyze different things. I follow the game theorists, Matt Pat. If you're listening, I love you. He's about to retire, um, but he overanalyzes video games. And that there's a channel I follow that does TV shows, and it talks about why she's such a tragic character. And it's because she's stuck in between eras of what a housewife was supposed to be happy with. And then how she felt like she wasn't happy with that anymore and wasn't getting what she needed. And then it was also like she was like the kind of the beauty queen, kind of like good child when she was younger. And then like the change in like her era, too. So I feel like when you watch episode to episode and just take her for what she is in the episode, you're like, oh, she's just kind of like shallow, like a cold mm-hmm. mother, like whatever. But it's yeah. like when you look at her character as a whole, you're like, oh, poor Betty Draper. Yeah. You know? Super fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Any hoozle. Um, I did have one thing podcast related I wanted to say uh, first. So the podcast Instagram, very tailored to the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have it in hopes of like, gosh, I hope people just randomly see the stuff and like, you know, like it's yeah. very tailored to what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Other people, people aren't gonna, people are gonna fucking get it. Like, for example, because of last week's episode, posted the like a meme of uh the simpsons with the mm-hmm. we've tried we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas and we're all out of ideas and at the top i put ben and jude regarding their son josh nobody else know, knows who the f- what fucking ben and jude <laughs> we're talking about you know like if that pops up in somebody's explore feed yeah they don't know what the fuck we're talking about that's not what i'm catering to i'm catering to exactly mm-hmm. you know like our content so that's never been 
that's just how it is and when i post like clips from the show like other people could watch these general clips in the show but pretty much they're not going to understand the captions like ever yeah the context (laughs) they're they're never going to understand like the captions anywho but one of those just basic clips from the show that i made into a reel because i do that every week with like one or two things was the chicken eddie a little bit ago right Mm -hmm. that one blew up for whatever fucking reason (laughs) like and it's gotten so many more non-follower views than normal really like a lot and we're getting a lot of follows because of it and when someone starts following you from the reel it says this person started following you oh from your reel so that's how analytics will tell you where yeah and so like i but i'm just kind of laughing to myself because i'm like i got i'm trying to imagine how confused these people are just coming to there and because of that reel and then the the reel next to it literally on the grid is a is an owl talking about lemon purple like you know like they're like i'm just thinking these people have no fucking clue what's going on here and i'm like that's just and i've never really thought about it before because we've never gotten such an onslaught of like not from somebody already having listened correct yeah so i was just but maybe those people will turn into diggers I'm like, they got to be real confused. They're like, what the fuck is this owl here for? <laughs> like, you know, they don't know. They have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you can see in the structure that like we post the clip and then things that are related to that same episode, you Go know, for so like maybe four they're... things in between. And then by the time and you see another... the audiogram again, that's the next episode. Correct. <laughs> like, yeah. And everything's so... also saved to episode highlights at the top, which by the way, I think a lot of people still don't know, know about because people be like, I scrolled forever. I'm like, you can just go to the the highlights at the top but yeah yeah search your episode number you're looking for and then correct yeah but yeah so i was like these people gotta be real confused (laughs) uh real short mildred minute i just wanted to tell a funny digger listener haha so in this last episode where mildred starts scratching in -hmm. the middle of it and you can hear her bell one listener was like, oh my gosh, I, they're like, I was at work. They work like night shift at a hospital. And they're like, I, I could hear like the bell. They're like, mm-hmm. I'm really glad you acknowledged it because they're like, I heard the bell and I found myself like looking for a cat. Like, And they're like, there's not going to be like a, a cat in the hospital. But that's I, funny. I was like, that's what your your brain trying to like make sense of things. Mm-hmm. Like that's what is so funny to me is like, it can make no sense at all. But your brain is just be like, oh, well, there must be a cat around here. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Mildred. She says, I'm not in a hospital. I'm here at home. <laughs> she's laying on my lap right now. She is. She's, oh, she look, is she out? Mm-hmm. She is she relaxing. She pitchy eyes. All right. Ready for the episode? Yep. It's called Duggars and DJs, and it premiered March 30th, 2010. And before we even start recapping, I just wanted to say that we have moved into disc two of this season in our DVD set. Mm-hmm. So far, so good with episode order. So that's the other part of where the budget went to. It went to intro and episode order. order. But on this, um, the menu music to disc two, decidedly more twangy. Yeah, agree. It's got a little twang. (laughs) So so I'm glad you noticed because I was like, oh, there's a little little something here. It's been some weird eras when it comes to menu music. Twangy. So the episode starts with Baby Cannon saying how... When they moved to Little, when they moved to Little Rock, they only brought the bare necessities. Look for them. So you best believe I've had the voice of Baloo the Bear in my head for <laughs> days now. Ever since, did you? Yep. 
I don't know how anybody can hear those two words next to each other or not. Instantly hear Baloo. Yeah. Our demographic in age is definitely a reference demographic. Look for the... It's so, like the, the one I used to get everybody at work with is whenever they would say, it's been. Yeah, it's been. Yep, that's exactly what I would say. Yep. I can't say it to Tim ever. And I, <laughs> like the second it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, here we go. Yeah. Uh, there's so many there's so many like reels going around of people talking about what those references are yeah it's been <laughs> and it's it's been a while what has it is another one? Oh yeah it's been, it's a, been while. a while <laughs> that's a good song though you know they're an underrated band <laughs> it's been a while okay so where was i okay so they're just kind of talking about how the kids are finding ways to play in the cornish house and canon says that the kids love the stairs Mm-hmm. In a talking head, they ask Johanna her favorite part of the house, and the dancing king whispers, upstairs, <laughs> in her ear. So Hanny says, downstairs, as her response. <laughs> That's our girl Hanny. Yeah. Don't be letting people push their ideas on you. If you like the downstairs, you get it, girl. <laughs> and Jackson laughs and says, I totally would say the opposite. And he's like, really, like, he thinks yeah. it's very funny. Uh, our girl or no? I think so. I put it. Okay. And it's the kids, they've also built some pretty sweet forts mm-hmm. with sheets, tables, and mattresses. Yep. Love me a fort. Were you a fort builder? No. No? I, I really... My, oh, my God. My parents a- were so weird about, like, me doing stuff in the house. They just didn't want me... They didn't want me making a mess. Like that but was the their big thing. Was like, but but it means all the all the furniture is disheveled and things are there. So they didn't want me to be making a mess. So a lot of my stuff was very self-contained. Ugh, love. And as part. I got older, I would like dump Legos out all over the floor and then go through them that way just to kind of poke them a little bit. All you need to do is put a sheet like over a table or like between two things and a couple pillows, and you're good. Yeah. It's not like that's like. If there's Total any chaos. community fans out there, there's a really funny community episode where in the school they create a gigantic pillow fort and it's set up like a like a Ken Burns documentary about how like there was two warring sides of the fort. It's a very good episode and if you're a community fan, you know what I'm talking about. So I don't know, I'll have to see it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I was a big fort kid because I like cubbies. I like hiding. I like you also didn't have your own space, so that yeah. kind of created your own space. That's true. And also, I slept in a nest for like two years, <laughs> literally on the floor of my mom's bedroom. I, I slept in a pile of blankets for, I mean, it was at least a year. And my, my mom used to call it my nest because that's what it looked like. It was a pile mm-hmm. of like Afghans, like crocheted Afghans, and they were just like in a circular pattern, and I laid in the middle in a nest, so... <laughs> Canon is talking about how some of the little ones, so we get a little one square. Yep. Try to carry around Jordan, and they show Hanny trying to carry her, and it's not great. <laughs> no, not like, going well. Poor Jordan. I'm like, oh, you know, because <laughs> Hanny's little, and she's trying to be like, you know, the big sibling, and yep. And poor and Jordan's just getting <laughs> manhandled. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Michelle even says that Jordan has learned she can get hurt and that she gravitates more to the ones that she'll be safer with. So not <laughs> Annie. <laughs> I think what we're getting at here. And she also says that Justin takes his buddy responsibility very seriously because Jordan is on his buddy team. Yeah. 
And I just wanted to point out that Justin's feet are in full view while he's sitting there with Jordan, and they are shockingly clean. Wow. So Grandma have, Duggar's put in that work. Dude, those those uh, Cornish floors have not yet been ground with grime. So, <laughs> doing pretty good. Man. So, they rehash how Baby Cannon is pumping six to eight hours a day. God, with so much time. Like, pumping is a fucking job. Yeah. Like, I think that's another thing is like, dude fucking feeding a kid period fucking job but like pumping like i remember when i realized like how long it actually takes for like a woman to get with and i'm just like god that's a it's a lot of fucking work so she's spending six to eight hours a day and this time they finally show the freezer full of milk yeah and she's drinking tons of liquid to try to keep up and has recently met her goal of pumping 750 milliliters a day and it's in this moment that I realize that Michelle and I think of two very different things when we think of 750 milliliters. <laughs> she thinks boob juice and I think tequila. So yeah. <laughs> we're on two different wavelengths. <laughs> like, do you think of anything else? And like on the on the screen, it was like 750 milliliters is a fifth of a gallon. I'm like, yeah, a fifth of vodka. Yeah, a fifth like, of vodka. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. like, that's, a, you know, like, like, that's what I thought of too. I can't think of yeah. anything else. So, Legan, Legan, I, I combine the two. Leggings. Leggings are at the hospital to see Josie again. And this is Lego Hair's first time going in two weeks since he's been a little sick. Mm-hmm. And this is also the first time that they show how the crew has to, like, don the hospital robes and scrub up. and Along with him, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, like, the first time. They've never shown that kind of, like, behind the scenes, like, aspect of it. And I'm right. like, makes sense. Something you don't think about, but you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to mm-hmm. go in there, too. Yeah. So Lego comments on how Josie's skin looks pretty and she does look noticeably different. Yeah. Like you can tell it's it's either one of two things. Either a little more time has passed since the last episode where they've shown Josie um, because they've shown her every single episode this season mm-hmm. and she does look noticeably different from the last one. So either they had a teeny tiny like short break of filming altogether or they just didn't use some in-between footage right or something i'm thinking that because the last time we saw it was like lego being sick i think they may have just had like a little break of time yeah it's like I think the vibe so. i'm getting yeah but her skin really it looks really good it's not so transparent anymore and mm-hmm. it just looks like normal skin now right she looks so good and it, it made me really happy like i teared up a little bit i was like oh like she looks good yeah like her like her skin looks like like mm-hmm. she looks so much more like healthy like you, yeah i guess i hadn't really stopped to think about how different her skin like i remember thinking it looked really shiny kind mm. of like before but it's when you see it like look so good you're like oh yeah i didn't really stop and think about right. how different it was before so they've had to add a fortifier to cannon's breast milk to boost the calories because like she said she basically produces skim milk and josie has also doubled her birth weight mm-hmm and she needs to gain another 50% of her current weight in order to be able to go home. I feel like when people describe weights of babies, before I didn't have... I felt like I didn't have a visual idea of how much babies weighed. Because when somebody would be like, oh, it's X amount of pounds, I'd be like, oh, and I'd be trying to read their face to figure out is that, is that out of the yeah is that big is it small is it out of the ordinary is it normal because i didn't i had no idea and now i 
I literally think about it versus food items. That's where I'm like, metric. I know what five pounds of this look like. You imagine a roast. Yeah. Or like diced vegetables when it comes to like size or yeah. So there's definitely like that's how I quantify now because I felt like before I didn't really That's your unit of measure. You're like, well, mm-hmm. all you're like, that's a pretty big big chuck roast. Yeah, that's that's seventeen carrots. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's kinda like how I measured dollars and two jack-in-the-box tacos and i was like oh my god that's four, 20 bucks is 40 tacos yep. like it's it's just like that you come up with your own units of whatever measure. your unit of measuring is yeah yep so we get a Jana speaks square yes we do as she explains that they have been asked to be part of a radiothon benefiting the arkansas children's hospital which is mm-hmm. where josie's at and it's kind of funny because they're actually going to let the kids answer phones <laughs> and michelle said when we realized they were wanting the children to answer phones, the younger children, they were like, yeah, all right. And we were like, well, this might not be the best idea. <laughs> and they're instructed to say, thank you for calling the Radiothon. May I take your pledge? Mm-hmm. And Michelle repeats it after the lady. And then the kids repeat it too. So it gives very like perpendicular. And um, <laughs> what was the other one? amazon river everybody (laughs) say amazon it it gets it gives those vibes (laughs) dude this whole thing is a my fucking nightmare nothing worse than having to talk to people on the phone strangers no less who are calling you like you're not even Uh, in control like of like when it happens like mm -hmm. they're ringing you oh terrible no thank you and ginger she's on my level she said, quote, when I showed up to the hospital for the radiothon and they said I was going to have to do phone calls, I was like so scared. <laughs> Once I got into my first phone call, which was my last, I was like, OK. Yeah, and then she like, laughs. Right. And she says my that. last. Yeah. <laughs> and we get a ginger face square. Mm-hmm. I feel there as though go. telethons are very a sign of times past. Because oh, yeah. now it's like go to this website and you can donate through paypal but like the idea that like you would call in to a phone telethon is i think it's just a funny look at like the past for sure and we had a a listener on one of our instagram posts put that the simpsons have a reference for everything and that's what happens when you've been a show for so long but can i tell a simpsons story absolutely all right so homer's watching a british show on pbs and they cut into his show with a telethon and they're like, we're not going to go back to the programming until we get X amount of money's uh, X amount of dollars donated. So Homer calls in and makes an anonymous do- donation just so he can go back to the show that he was watching. Mm-hmm. And it's Betty White that's hosting. And she was Our like, Oh, uh, one of our generous uh, donators has donated X amount of money anonymously. But our our team of television sleuths has found out that it's Homer Simpson at 42 Evergreen Terrace. We're sending our collection agents now. And then he gets scared. He closes the the blinds or closes the curtains on all the windows. And then all of a sudden, a trash can gets thrown through their front front window. And then Oster the Grouch pops out. And it's him oh, being. Oh, see, I remember that part. It's yeah. him being chased by all of the PBS. Yeah, I it's remember It's like this Elmo. Part. The Teletubbies are shooting lasers out of their little antenna. Um, he ju- he runs down a, a alleyway, and Big Bird flies down and goes Rah! as he comes down. It's 
an amazing. My favorite part is um, as they're chasing him, Elmo goes, Elmo knows where you live. And then um, Mr. Rogers goes, it's a beautiful day to kick your ass. There really is a Simpsons <laughs> so for everything. Yeah. All right. So Ginger Face. Oh, because, yeah, while she's sitting at the table with the phones, mm-hmm. she's making faces. But, girl, I get it. <laughs> So they asked Ginger what the person on the phone was like, and she said, the person on the other line was great. He knew all that he was supposed to do. He had done it before, so he informed me. So her one call, at least it was a good one. Yeah. The little, what is it? One of the, one of the little kids said they answered and then answered, read the line, and then said, you take it, Jill. And then Jill was the one that actually did the work. (laughs) They're all doing it. Which is very apropos of everything for her. Oh, yeah. Well, Joy is also on my level, not a fan of the phone, saying, quote, (laughs) it was weird having to answer phones and stuff because I'm not one that likes it. (laughs) So she just, like, yeets her phone calls Jill's way. Like, (laughs) which is, like, the smart way to go because Jilly Muffin seems fine doing it. Doing everything. Because she's sweet Jilly Muffin after all. But, yeah, she's just, like, they're all just, like, handing her her phones. And, like, when it rings, like, she's the one that's, like, diving for a phone. So I was, like... Jill's got this guy. Yeah. They all think this is not neat. <laughs> this is kind of not neat. <laughs> then um, the Jed Jed. The OJ. The OJ. Same sentiment. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to talk to people I don't know very, very hard. <laughs> so this isn't exactly shaping up to be a favorite Duggar activity. Not not many big fans, but um, Ginger says she thinks Joe struggled the most because he hates talking on the phone. And you can see the the panic in the kid. Oh, yeah, that phone. boy's struggling. <laughs> when that the is... phone ring, he, he fucking, like, he's, like, looking around. He's, like, panicking. Yep. And then he's got the little script in front of him, and he's just, like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, he is, <laughs> he is fighting for his life out there. He was. Yeah. Poor Joe. <laughs> he was, yeah, like. He was not doing oh, well. Oh, poor kid. Um, also, first he had to go fucking sit through insurance last week, and then now he's having to do tele radio thons oh, when he is not. That is not his personality. <laughs> Poor Joe. Uh, I also just wanted to mention that even for 2009 standards, the model of phones were very old, s- m- more so than I would have expected, but I can't say I'm <laughs> well-versed in thons, so right. what do I know? But yeah. they were... They were literally the phone that we got from like a garage sale to play with my niece when she was like, my niece was born in 99. Yeah. It was like one of those tan mm-hmm. push button, like, what do you, what style of phone do you call that? It's like Touch the one tone. you, yeah, no, but it's like the, it's like that certain style that like you see in like all the older movies. It's the one where the, where the, um, receipt or the handset sits facing down. So like the two, say like an upside down U when it's hung up. Did, were they just older than you expected? They were, but then I also thought of if this if this is a thing that goes on every year, these are probably the telephones they've been using forever. You know what I mean? And Since they probably have them okay. in a closet somewhere in a tote that says phones for telethon. For thons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of how I how I felt it. So Lego and Canon, they do an interview with the radio station that's hosting it, which is B98.5. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's how I'm going to say it. Because I feel like that's how every radio station sounds. Little Rocks Hip Hop. I'm assuming that's the hip hop station. <laughs> of course. I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, what else would it be? Yeah. Uh, oh, and it's Tim got me for um, for Christmas. 
he got me a, an old it's a defunct radio station from here in town um he got me the edge the edge yeah so i told him the funny part about it is that i i would be walking around town and then he also got me a metro center t-shirt which is an old <laughs> defunct mall around here too yep. and like the funny part is when i wear these out people probably think i'm wearing like an ancient shirt not that not that it's new not that it's yep. brand, <laughs> brand yep. new. so shout outs should be an ad isn't an ad nostalgic brand apparel it is a website they don't have every city in the country but if you go to it they have a list of like 40 something cities in the country and they have tons of old grocery stores and amusement parks and just old ads and radio stations and malls and they have all of those designs where you can get a really new nice shirt because i got us that um Back in the day, there used to be a minor league hockey team here before we had NHL hockey that was called the Phoenix Roadrunners, and I got a Phoenix Roadrunners t-shirt. So, yeah, check it out. It's actually really cool. I just crack up because I feel like I wear, when I wear my Edge shirt, people probably think that, like, oh, she got this when you she showed this. up to them. When they're, you know, when they throw up a canopy in the parking lot of an Albertsons and they <laughs> give you a free right. shirt. And I'm like, no, 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 this is, like, brand new. You're, you're trying to win Pantera tickets, you know what I mean? <laughs> and even funnier is because... I've talked about it on here a million times, but like how Tim and I have the same shirts, mm-hmm. but we just don't wear them at the same time. Like we have the same wardrobe. It's <laughs> alarming. There's, we have like four or five t-shirts that are all more, the same. Yeah. Oh, more than five. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we have. A, I should actually pull them out one day and we should do an inventory. But the funnier thing is then, so Tim got one for him too, mm-hmm. but then he got one for his friends, Wally. So mm-hmm. he's like, you mean Wally all have the same I'll have shirt. the same t-shirt. Yep. <laughs> so funny. Any hoozle. So they're doing an interview with B98.5. And I was very distracted by the fact that Wendy's was a sponsor. Did you notice? Oh, was it really? It was. You know, we haven't had it in years. It's true. Years. Literal years. It's all about the nuggies and then fries dipped in Frosty. But we live nowhere near Wendy's anymore. We never were close to one. That's true. They're sporadic in these in Phoenix. <laughs> but we there's... N- I can't... There's nothing around here. So I have not had a Frosty and Fries Yeah. with the... Oh, Wendy's gave me fucking tood one time, too. <laughs> when I was ordering, I said McNuggets. Mm. Like in the drive-thru. Yeah. And they're like, you mean chicken nuggets? My God, <laughs> fuck me. I'm sorry. Like, yep. they were very upset that I dared to say McNuggets. <laughs> I did Should... not mean to offend. <laughs> Should I... How dare you, first of all? Um... Should I leak a little old behind-the-scenes knowledge of Panda Express? So, at when I worked, where are we at Panda going Ex- in this episode? It's weird. There's fast food. <laughs> um, so when I worked at Panda Express, that was my first like kitchen job, and I remember we ha- at the time we had. I'm sorry, it was teriyaki chicken, and the way that we used to do is that we had these like special microwave like Tupperware things we would put in there with a little bit of water and a tiny bit of corn syrup and you'd microwave it and it would come back. It was a frozen product and it would come back corn up. Syrup? Yeah. And then corn you would syrup. like clear corn syrup. Uh-huh. Yes. So a little bit of that, a little bit of water and then you would do it. You would hit button number one. When it was done, you would open the lid. You would hit it with teriyaki sauce and then you would put it back in there uncovered. You'd hit number two and it would be done. You'd take it to the, to the hotline. But I always remember 
somebody asking my manager they were like what would you like for your third entree or your third your third you know protein or whatever it was and the woman goes can i get teriyaki chicken and he was like ma'am we don't have teriyaki chicken we have mandarin chicken it's very similar and i'm like it's the same <laughs> shit it is literally the same shit that's me get, getting chicken nuggeted it's yep. like i was he like was, you know what i meant yep and the thing is, I know he was playing it up because he was being so snotty, and that's not his personality. And I'm like, you're just being an asshole. But it was very funny. We don't have teriyaki chicken. We have mandarin chicken. It's very similar. Well, mine was like when I got to the when I got to the window, the person on the thing. It was like a it was like an older teenage kid, like maybe like mid twenty. I'm like, you're like you? why do you and care? I'm like, why do you fucking care that I said McNuggets? Is Hashtag it that live a- the brand. I was like, damn, I didn't realize I offended so deeply, but I guess he does live the brand. Yeah. I mean, I guess rep it if you go ahead. <laughs> he's probably yeah. in the manager training program. Probably. You know, and he's like, I gotta get this woman. <laughs> he had on the to right set track. me straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> Any hoozle. So we've gone Wendy's. We've gone Panda Express. Panda Express. Um, so grandma is stuck back at the house with the younger kids from Justin down and in a talking head, they ask Justin if Jackson and Johanna sometimes misbehave for grandma. And he just says, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) mm-hmm. He got caught. (laughs) And Michelle says that Jackson has watched himself doing things on the show that he knows he's not supposed to do. So now he warns Hanny, don't do that. If, if you do that, everyone's going to know because everyone's going to see it. So that's why he was trying to help a girl out even with when she was picking her nose. He yeah. was like, girl, stop. Stop. That doesn't make sense. Yep. So. That's a very supportive brother. Dude, those two. <laughs> you know, get the. Get, those two, get them on the pod. Yep, exactly. If you're listening. Probably not. You're not listening. They're not listening. Um, Jackson and Hanny, we'll take you any day. <laughs> Think of all the things. We could have them in town. Take them for a. Uh, Take him for a night out. Take him for a hot dog at Dazzo's. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Mich- Michelle talks about all the crap that grandma does for them from laundry to cleaning to watching kids. And I feel like this is a we know Michelle mm-hmm. square because yep. we know that grandma does a lot. Everything. So. There was a, a line that she had earlier in the episode where it was like, Oh, well, I'm really lucky. Maybe it was in this part, but she was something along the lines of like, oh, I'm really lucky that, you know, uh, grandma's here and the girls are doing this because I don't know how I would I would have time to do all of this. And I'm like, what are you? What are you talking about? What are you using your time on other than pumping, which we've gone over that that takes a while. But it's like you're not taking care of any children. You're not raising any children. You're not cleaning anything. You're not doing laundry. Where is your time being used? It's not any different. The difference is that she, she's not holding the youngest one as much. <laughs> I think that's the the main difference. No, for I'm, I don't. Even, I'm not even saying that to be yeah. like I was literally trying to think of like what's different right now. I think that maybe back in normal circumstances, like she might have the littlest one, Jordan, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more. I think that's no. I'm that's being dead it. serious. I think yeah. that's what the biggest difference is. Yeah. So I think she's at the hospital and she's pumping, and so then the littlest one is just. The pack, manhandled the, yeah, by just, Joanna. <laughs> exactly. Hanny's picking up the slack. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, um, shooting back over to the Radiothon, the kids are getting to des- design and decorate 
medical play dolls as canon explains how at the children's hospital they work with the siblings to help them understand what's going on with their siblings and like the various tools used mm-hmm. honestly the activity is better suited for all of the younger kids who are not there <laughs> like and i was just like oh this is it's nice that th- I-, I think it's great that the hospital is doing mm-hmm. it but i'm like it's unfortunate that they left all the little kids the super little ones yeah who would actually get it probably get- this would be better for at home yeah so then instead we have Jana decorating a doll and like you know mm. what i mean and like yeah. um yeah so i was like oh this is like hanny would have fun jackson right. would be having fun hanny would have been all over it. yeah so it's like and they're not there for it and so it's like joy and Jana and mm-hmm. joe sitting there like <laughs> as long as he doesn't have to talk to anybody <laughs> he's fine so the episode yeah just ends with them decorating dolls and playing with gloves and masks and stethoscopes and that's kind of it yeah it still didn't feel like there's a lot of crazy crazy content in this one so i think really the content was in um the edge uh metro center wendy's (laughs) Wendy's. and panda express and um not having teriyaki chicken (laughs) please mandarin god mandarin chicken. it's very similar It was just so condescending. The way he said it, it was so condescending. <laughs> What's funny is that tone of voice sounds like you're going to say it's very different, but he's saying it's very similar. <laughs> That's what's funnier is that tone would normally be like, uh, ma'am, different. But it what? was like, ma'am, it's similar, but different. <laughs> what made it even better was he was a Mexican guy, so he can he had a little bit of an accent. So it made him sound even sassier. <laughs> with <that. laughs> oh, I'm going to be thinking about that all week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week's dig is inspired by a little cameo in last week's dig. We're going to be digging into the documentary Jesus Camp, which came up because of it being showed in the sentencing phase of Josh K's trial. Mm-hmm. And just like the three digs we did on Jill's book, Tim gets to participate a little in this one. Yay, I'm not just set dressing. <laughs> because he watched it as well. So he'll know mm. what I'm talking about and be able to chime in if he so pleases. Yep, got to give people that comedy relief they they yearn for oh yes so jesus camp came out in september 2006 and follows the children's ministry of becky fisher before we even get into the film itself i want to give you some background on becky because they really don't cover any of that Mm -hmm. so becky grew up in a very religious family her parents grandparents and four of her uncles were all pastors but she really didn't see herself becoming a pastor because she's a woman and, you know, we just... <laughs> Ugh, women, yeah. am I right? <laughs> After graduating high school, she attended Jamestown College, where she earned a bachelor's degree in 1973 in art education. Becky went on to work various jobs over the years. She helped manage her parents' motel and radio station for hmm. about 10 years. And at some point somewhere in there, she taught art for four years at a junior high before eventually opening up her own custom sign shop in 1984. Okay. 
we got to see Becky's sweet ass graphic design and sign <laughs> skills. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. At one point in the documentary, <laughs> she's making signs that say sin and death. And she really gives the death sign some extra pizzazz when she decides to change it to a drippy blood font. You know? And she specifically says, like, I have one that's dripping with blood. Yeah, really really ups the design factor. Could yeah. you imagine Becky today, like, let loose in Canva? <laughs> Watch out. Like, <laughs> when, oh, Whenever I'm working in Canva, which I do a lot for my job now, and I did a lot at my old job, too. I always joked, like, okay, like, it'd be, like, after lunch, and we'd be going back to our desk, and I'm like, I'm off to pretend I'm a graphic designer now, and, like, <laughs> when I started working again, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm back to my career in design. Mm-hmm. Yep. I-, I graduated from the, the design school of Canva. <laughs> and And we'll probably get to it, but there's a lot of points in this documentary where Becky's heard, Becky's jamming to her own hype music. Oh, <laughs> She sure is. So, oh man for the Canva. She was like, <laughs> she would have been all over it. So, Becky's a working gal and has said, quote, I really didn't want anything to do with kids and was very happy being a businesswoman. Becky never got married or had children. So, how did she end up in children's ministry? Quote, I tell people I sort of got sideswiped by God and ended up in this. I hope God has insurance. <laughs> Um, so her church was looking for help in the children's ministry. So she started doing that and worked part-time as a children's pastor for many, many years. Mm. I I think that was also like 10 years or something. And then it just kind of grew from there. So after 23 years of working in business and 10 years as a part-time pastor, Becky decided to step out on her own and do her own thing full-time. Founding Kids in Ministry International in uh, 2001 and it, it gets shortened to Kimmy and all I can think of is a uh, Gibbler. <laughs> the Gib. Yeah, all I can th- every time I read it I'm like, "Kimmy." <laughs> she's so, a good follow on Instagram. She's funny. <laughs> so on the Kids in Menis- Ministry website today, it describes itself as a multifaceted ministry that trains children and teens to walk in the supernatural power of God. Little note on that. She just expanded it to teens very recently in 2023. Oh. So she was like, she's like, you know what? I've done all I can in the kids market. Let's move on to teens. (laughs) She graduated. (laughs) So Becky's goal was to get away from what she calls the Sunday school mentality, where they just think that kids, all they need to be strong Christians is to hear Bible stories over and over. So she's like, ugh, Bush League shit, right? Lame. Instead, she seeks to help kids who are spiritually hungry by teaching them the supernatural side of the Pentecostal faith. She's Pentecostal, if I haven't said that. <laughs> and and her whole thing is you got to add pizzazz. Oh, okay? yeah. You got to have... You got to have Canva. You, know, you got to have Canva. Yep. You got to have, you know, that, that snap. You got to have that, that crackle. Whitney, she <laughs> needs the pop. <laughs> Yes. So under this uh, Kimmy Gibbler umbrella, (laughs) Becky has created the School of Supernatural Children's Ministry, which is a 45-hour course. No. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) You really had... That was a real reaction. Damn. (laughs) Um, Which teaches children's ministers and parents the basics of children's ministry. You get a little cap and gown and stuff. I mean, I saw pictures. 
She also sells various children's ministry curriculums that churches can buy. And so that's kind of how she kind of made a, her, a name for herself. Because even if she couldn't make it places, people knew of her because they were buying her materials. And she was pushing that real hard when they showed her. She yeah. kept mentioning that bookstore. Oh, yeah. Get it at that bookstore. <laughs> she did. And she, like, holds up a binder. And she's like, this one doesn't sell as well. <laughs> because I think people think it's door knocking. It's not. <laughs> And you could tell that that was like the, I'm going to throw shade at ministries that do that. You know what I mean? I will say, it is all about the the marketing, though. Because I will never forget, towards the end of his kind of singing career, I remember my parents and my family and I went to go see a, a famous singer in the the wedge of Mexican music that we listened to. And he was old. He had, he had been doing it forever. And he had released an album like a year ago and like 17 times during his performance, he kept saying that you could get it at Walmart and Kmart. <laughs> and he just kept repeating. He would sing a song. We would cheer. And he'd be like, that was blah, blah, blah song available on the album, blah, blah, blah. Available. You can pick it up at Walmart and Kmart. And that became our family joke was that. He just kept pushing it. Well, Becky was doing it with the bookstore. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Becky wouldn't shut up about the bookstore. And then she even was just like, and then my camp coming out, start praying about whether you can go this summer. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, it's she like, means check your bank account. <laughs> she says, you just got to put your hands together and put the password into that computer and see if you can come. Oh, Becky. All right, so where was I with the uh, Kimmy ministry? Oh, okay, so um, so she does these um, curriculums that people can buy, yada, yada. And she also hosts conferences and ca- camps, which we will get into. But it's also worth noting who Becky was inspired by in her teaching style. Oh. Quick, can you think of anyone off the top of your head? Billy Graham. <laughs> no. That's the only name I could think of. But it's still a Bill. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Wow. She liked how he combined humor, music, and entertainment to teach more complicated concepts in a way that kids could understand. And she was like, why can't I apply that same idea to ministry? So that was her her inspiration. Now, now on the first note, I agree 100%. Bill Nye the Science Guy was this shit. Bill, 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 Bill. We really have so many Bills. So many fucking Joshes (laughs) and so many fucking Bills. Yeah. The music videos that were in it were good. Like, amazing. Anyway. Yes, I agree. So, I can see. So, um, we see this throughout the documentary with her use of stuffed animals. And even at one point during the documentary, she shows off her various props. Like, she's got all the of her shelves. The magic closet, she's you got, mean? Oh, is that what it was? No, but that's oh. what it felt like. Oh, where okay. She was like, let me show you where the magic's made. Like, she's got Barbie dolls that are Adam and Eve with leaves on them. Um, she has, like, a brain molds that she says that she does jello and those little sticky hand things mm-hmm. that like you fling and it sticks mm-hmm. she was like and then you fling it and it touch and it like attaches to the jello brain and she's like and these are the bad thoughts that stick in our brains and so she's very into object lessons and visual aids visual aids and object lessons and at one point which we'll talk about later when she like gets into it with people um it, it, this is like at a different point with one of um in an interview that I don't talk about in depth, but she gets mad and she's like, it's an object lesson. Like when they're like calling her out on some yeah. stuff, she's like, it's an object lesson. <laughs> she gets like mad. 
Can I make one point about this entire documentary? Yeah. That I thought was kind of cool. So the only time that they have any sort of like not narrative, um, like whenever they they don't have a narrator through any of this. There's nobody that's hosting this. And there's no like the thing that I appreciate about it is that they really just show you the footage that they picked up. There's there's no like commentary over the top of it. Mm-hmm. And I actually appreciate that because with the subject that's as potentially as touchy as this one is, it's nice for them to be like, here's what we found. Well, the filmmakers even say, and I don't have it in here, but I'll just, because you're talking about it, I'll throw it in. They actually mm-hmm. say we specifically created a documentary that was like devoid of a very specific viewpoint. They're mm-hmm. like, of like pushing it. They're like, we yep. just wanted to show. Yep. And I want you are free to come up with what your opinion is of this, but I'm yep. just going to present it to you. So I appreciate that as much as the reason why I'm saying that is as much as me and Whitney are kind of talking over it and kind of joking about certain things. There's none of that. Oh, yeah. It's just straight up footage. That's yeah. just footage. So before we break into the documentary like itself more, because I'm just giving back information, I wanted to tell you something I found funny. So as mentioned earlier, Becky said, I really didn't want anything to do with kids and was very happy being a businesswoman, which is kind of one thing. But then in an interview with the other journal, she said, quote, I tell people my gift with kids lasts till after church on a Sunday morning. But when I'm off duty, I get just as annoyed with crying children in stores and restaurants as everyone else. But children truly fascinate me. They are delightful short people with the purest hearts and greatest insights into the soul, and amazing intelligence. I see such hope and potential in them, and clearly Jesus loves the little children. So how can I not? I do believe it's a calling, one I take very seriously. But having said that, I could not spend my entire day with them. (laughs) Now... And she hates kids that aren't tall, apparently. It's a a little yeesh either way. Not something I would say in an interview if that was my life's work that I'm trying to get people on board with, you know. But I gave it some benefit of the doubt in the beginning because the interviewer's question was phrased as, why is your focus on children? Personally, I find them to be smelly and far too squirrely. They're just all over the place. How and why do you do it? So even though personally I would have steered a different direction... I just kind of chalked it up to, okay, it's because of the way that the question was phrased originally, right? The question carried implied opinion. Exactly. Yeah. But then I found in other places, Becky saying how she couldn't stand babysitting as a teen. <laughs> and quote, I'm the most unlikely candidate to end up in children's ministry. So I just thought that was interesting. Swing and a miss. My opinion is, um, I don't think she has much of a passion for kids themselves as much as a passion for what they can do for her yeah and christianity um which we will be touching on later she says a really yeeshy line later on but i wanted to bring this up now as we're kind of talking about her past and like how you know yeah so interesting to me moving more into the actual documentary now we will kind of be recapping the documentary by talking about some of the highlights and recurring themes and i'll also throw be throwing in some supplemental information as well as things that came out and happened after the documentary's release. And I also used Becky's book titled Jesus Camp, My Story, which she released five years later in 2011. So not only does the book 
offer up her reactions to the film and also give some further context and details into some of the scenes and things. It feels like it's her way of like wrestling that terminology and that narrative away back to something that she's okay with. You know? Yep, exactly. So filmmakers Rachel Grady and Heidi Ewing said, quote, we were looking for a film that would let us explore faith and religion through the eyes of children. And after doing, like, research trying to find the subjects, as they talked to people, Becky's name came up repeatedly. So they reached out, they called her. Long story short, Becky says yes. And it's actually really funny because Becky specifically said, like, I want to see some of your previous work. And she noted, just like you said, Tim, that she chose them because of their lack of, like, commentary and talking heads and things like that that's what she liked about their their documentary style because it wasn't a smear campaign like they weren't gonna they weren't gonna film it in a way that was gonna be like immediately we're here to smear you it was objective in her eyes and there's a there's a line later on that kind of ties into this kind of thing that i'll get i'll get into when they have her doing kind of like a talking head Mm -hmm. that very much hits on this where it's all about perspective. And it, it is interesting because, um, like, Rachel and Heidi have both said, they're like, we didn't agree with with this, but they're like, mm-hmm. but we liked the people. So it's like they had a, a, a an approach of, like, I don't know. It's just different. Like, they weren't yeah. there just being like, oh, mm-hmm. what the fuck are these people doing? They didn't agree with it, but they were yeah. also, like, kind of, like, respectful, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, so she... Becky says yes, and partially because over the years, Becky claims to have had experienced prophecies three different times that she would be on on television with children. One of which, she shared all of them, but I'll just share one. One of which was in 2003 when a pastor in South Africa, when she was visiting, told her, quote, television is going to open up to you for kids operating the supernatural. Okay. So she felt like this was the prophecies happening. By being in this film. So filming began quickly in April 2005. And the first big event is the third annual kids conference in Lee's Summit, Missouri. Throughout the course of the film, it kind of flips back and forth between footage from this conference and the camp later Mm -hmm. in the summer. And sometimes I'll specify which, which one the scenes are from, but not necessarily every time. Just know that at any point it could be from one of the two. Yeah. So the theme of the camp this year was changing the world through prayer. And it's at this camp where we meet the leading subjects of our film, besides Becky, of course, which are Levi, age 12, Tori, age 10, and Rebecca, age 9. And it kind of sounds like uh, Heidi and Rachel kind of zeroed in on what kids to follow during that prayer conference. Mm -hmm. And then they filmed them them back in their homes with their families. Right. Which is where we get to know them more. And I think it's good because we get to see their backgrounds as well as, like, some of their parents and things. Yeah. So let's start with Levi, who, by the way, has a sweet-ass rat tail. Not wrong. That not even Remy could compete with. Like, <laughs> Pat Oswalt couldn't do, couldn't do shit. No. And at the prayer conference, we watch Becky approach Levi and ask him, when he became a Christian, which is, I always, like, think it's so funny. It's always, like, these random, like, <laughs> conversation starters. Like, you just walk up to someone in the hallway and you're like, hey, hey, guys. So, when you, tell me, when did you become a Christian? Like, it's just, oh, okay, that's your opener. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, 
Here's what he has to say. At five, I got saved because I just wanted more of life. There was just nothing I thought was fun. <laughs> I wrote that because I started writing notes for some of this stuff, and that was the one thing I wrote down. I was like, there's a five-year-old that doesn't find it. Yeah, I'm not going to say never, but I will say I think it's not very typical that by uh, age five, you're already thinking there's just, you know, there's just got to be more to life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even Becky is like, wow, at five years old, you thought there was nothing fun, huh? <laughs> I was like, do we really think he was contemplating, like, life at the age of five? I don't know. Like, we'll see as as it goes on how Levi is propped up for ministry. So, to me, this just kind of reeks of ministry story. Yeah. Kind of like Bill versus Bill. the movies and Bill versus the superintendent, you know. <laughs> and then Gil Bates always needing a story. like Swing sets. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm... I'm going to say these things because this was my personal experience when when I was heavily involved in a in a Catholic church. Um, I feel like I remember what I enjoyed about going there. I was thinking about it in the shower the other day, what I enjoyed about going there. But then I also remember feeling like I was on the hook to say something at certain times. So I had lines that I could pull out when somebody asked me a question that made me uncomfortable about my faith or the way I thought about things. or And I had kind of practiced lines. You had those canned answers. Yeah, that I felt like I would pull out when I was uncomfortable. And I'm like, I just, I don't, I, don't, I, I need to give an answer so they can kind of go, oh, great. I feel like I saw what I felt in some of the things with the kids in this. I don't doubt that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can tell it's like they've almost kind of practiced it in their head, knowing that when they say that these people things, are going to stop them in the hallway and ask them when they became a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Because you get one of two things. You will, you either get a lot of, Oh my God, that's you get a lot of like verbal praise of how great that is. Or we watched a couple times where it was like one of the children would say things to her father and her father would like give her a giant hug and it was like you're getting that acknowledgement that yeah. you want with your canned answer and you know that it's going to happen. Yep. So you once know. again, that was my experience and what I went through and I felt like I, I could relate to these children at times. Mm-hmm. Um, on a funnier note, though, with him talking about how he just thought, you know, at five years old, there's got to be more. Um, <laughs> this reminded me of the timing. Do you remember about a month ago when i subjected you to listening to some of my tween music Mm -hmm. so there's there's a this like little there's this era or this type of genre of my tween music that tim has no idea about none at all and so i was subjecting him to it but it was wonderful right um ladies you might know Uh, such things as supergirl by crystal harris i'm supergirl and i'm here to save the world okay and then various stacy orico songs like stuck on you but notably the one that connects back today was stacy orico's could you hear it i want to point out that you guys heard mildred did did you it showed up she stood up when whitney after whitney had sang and when she was talking about it you heard her go was she excited for my singing or telling she was me very to stop? Excited. Or telling which one was it? She was excited. Okay, well she was excited. So the Stacy Oracle song is there's one that's more to life. 
And it's like, there's got to be more to life than chasing down every temporary high. And I told him, it's so funny to listen to now. And I was like, what was I, like 12? And I was like, yeah, there's just like, got to be more to life. Go Dance. more to you know. So deep. <laughs> so I was laughing yeah. about like how I was listening to that and probably just like, oh, man, I hear you, Stacy. Uh, sing it, girl. <laughs> and then just and then a month later, we're like this five year old's like, yeah, there's just got to be more to life. <laughs> there's nothing fun. I also feel like that's how emo music got big in that era, because it was like you were listening to music that had instrumentation that you liked, but then they would say things that were maybe seemingly deep and as a younger person that was in an angstier time you were like oh yeah this is you know what i mean it felt there's gotta be more so now we're at levi's home and we see that he's homeschooled his mom said that they they took the prayer out of school and everything just fell apart so very typical sticking point for many evangelicals that we hear and funding, I mean funding, but you know, but mostly it was the, the prayer. prayer. Yeah, it's the prayer. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the gutting of Department of Education funding. Yeah, cool. yeah. And it really comes as no surprise that they make a point to discuss and show evolution and climate change. Par for the course. So his mom is really focused on the topic of climate change, saying he needs to know about it because it's a big political issue. And says things like how science doesn't really prove anything. That's what she, she's like, just yeah. doesn't prove it. And, and she's like, you know, and it's really not a big problem. He's like, that's what dad said. Like, yeah. so it's, it's interesting. And she also says, quote, our firm belief is that there are two kinds of people in the world. People who love Jesus and people who don't. And this quote stuck out to me anyway. But then it was when I was reading follow up research after watching. It was actually interesting because this is Levi's only big gripe with the film was the editing of this line because he says his mom followed up with something like, and they deserve to all be loved or something like that. So he mentions this as the one thing he's bothered by. Hmm. Okay. Cause he's like, that makes her sound like a jerk and that's not what she was doing, but she, I'm like, she still divided people into like, Still very Bill Gothard. You're this or that. like you. Know? Mm-hmm. And then very dismissive of things that are not you. Yeah. So now let's move on to Rachel. Oh, little Rachel. Oh. I am so endeared to her. <laughs> like, <laughs> she just pulls on all the heartstrings in me. Mm-hmm. And she's just so earnest and enthusiastic. And even though I wholly disagree with her, like <laughs> the majority of the time, let's be mm-hmm. real. I am endeared to her as a person. Like, yeah. she seems like a really sweet kid. Yeah. She seems like she's really, like, introspectively thoughtful. Yeah. And then even in, like, the way that she she's probably a hyper empath. Like, I feel like she's that person that, like, feels feels yeah. really hard. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. A- agree. Like. <laughs> she's cute. So... Even though I have seen this documentary at least twice, maybe even three times before now. Before this dig, it had been years, though. Like, mm-hmm. a, a long time. But all these years later, <laughs> Rachel's scenes in the bowling alley were the ones that I still remembered vividly before <laughs> even watching it again. Yep. And real quick, I realized when they got to the point where they showed Levi at his house... I think Whitney was watching this at some point in our relationship 
And I Sometime remember in the last 14 and a half years. <laughs> I remember the I remember this entire documentary. I think I watched it with you. Okay. You so, probably maybe you did my second time or something. Like from start to finish, I remember. But this I remember for multiple reasons. There was a lot of things of the era including the woman that she's talking to. Oh yes. Outfits. Yeah, oh yes, we'll get there. So um so the first thing is nobody could ever claim that this girl isn't Christ-centered, or you know, in her life, because oh, 100%. even d- during her turn at bowling, she's down there getting ready at the lane, and she says, "Ball, I command you in the name of Jesus to make a good hit." <laughs> and I guess Jesus was a little busy though, <laughs> because it it wasn't a great hit. So no, it wasn't. He was a little busy, Rachel. Can't be watching them all. Yep. But really the part that I remember the most from the bowling alley is when she walks up to a maybe teenage or early 20s girl, mm-hmm. hands her a tract and says, Hi, God is just telling me that you're on his mind and he just wants to take you and he just wants to love on you and he has some special plans for you in your life and he just wants you to be able to call him with your whole heart. And the girl nods and says thank you appreciate it and then when rachel walks away the girl is like looking around kind of oh, like yeah. like awkwardly that but was, like uh, did yeah. it like did you okay like she's yeah. trying to not be like like she was very gracious in yes, accepting yes. what homegirl was putting out there mm-hmm. the, the scene is like equally sweet and awkward as fuck all at the same time yep 100%. like i remember it so vividly because of dying inside watching it because like like if I, I know how it would be being the girl receiving that but then also you're like this sweet little girl and, and i just i can just feel it all and um she did a good job though like she did what you should be do which is like you said be gracious and yep. not be an asshole because it's kids it's not the same as adults it's mm-hmm. it's not the fucking same yeah um and yes you want to talk about her outfit no go ahead oh no go ahead you seem to it was it was just that era of like skater chick slash like kind of scene chick that's what it was and those are the girls i was into in high school too so this girl was getting you all hot and bothered not this one in particular <laughs> but like if you would have like rewinded to like sophomore year of high school me whoo you know and for my girls who know way back in the day original real housewives of oc back in the old days with vicky and gina and all of them Tammy Knickerbocker's daughter Lindsay, this girl in the documentary, looks like uh, looks like Lindsay Knickerbocker. By the way, just oh, she looks know. just like her. Yeah, Tim would know. Yeah, yep, yep. spitting image. Lindsay Knickerbocker. Any hoozle. Um, and then afterwards, this is what you're talking about mm. with like the getting the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the script? No, the validation or like, you know, like, yeah. yeah like we when, talked about that, what, last episode where we talked about when you're a kid, you seek validation from your parents. Well, I just meant even just earlier in this episode where yeah. you were just saying, mm-hmm. using those kind of things. Because she goes up to her dad and she's like, and, and he's like, you felt God talking to you? She's like, mm-hmm. And, she, and then when I went to her, she, I felt like I picked the right one. And then he's like, gives her this big hug and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like... And then, and that was what sparked it for me was watching that because I'm not saying that what she's feeling is not how she feels. Like obviously, something caused her to do this action or behave in this way. So, what she's feeling is what she feels. 
But there's also that thing of like, oh, if I say the right thing and I do the right thing, then I'll get validation. Yeah. I've, I've, my, my emotions were mixed when it came to that scene because I, once I was empathetic for her because I know how that feels. And then I also felt so much embarrassment for myself Mm -hmm. because I remember whipping those lines out to get them fake points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and more on Rachel because she's really the star for me. She's a sweetheart. She's God. a star. She's being filmed in her room and she talks about how she gets teased sometimes. Like, yeah. poor thing. But she says, and I've just thought to myself, man's decision, whatever. God's decision, something. <laughs> which, which to me is like totally like the Christian version of like, talk to the hand. Like, <laughs> that that it? definitely like, is what it felt. Yeah. Like, oh, it was just whatever yeah god's decision something and i was like you you tell him rachel she's i think she's just the age too where like there's enough sass where it's funny but it's not annoying yet <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah but then she even goes into this, this is what i'm saying nobody could say this girl's not christ-centered because she talks about how i thought about like when i grow up maybe wanting to be do nails and she's like and there would just be relaxing christian music and and they would they'd be relaxed and and then their walls wouldn't be up so much at that moment they'd be more accepting of it and i was like oh man she just wants to like do nails with like christian music in the background and like minister to people while she does their nails (laughs) (laughs) oh rachel and that brings us to tori who, by the way, Tori was the only one that Becky knew ahead of the documentary. Okay. Because the church where the conference was being held, that's Tori's home church. And Becky has a relationship with, like, the pastors of that church. And she gets invited back there every year. Okay. So she knew Tori beforehand, but not Levi or our girl, Rachel. Much more assertive than Rachel. Yes. So off the bat, Tori is rocking out to rock music. <laughs> It is a rock music. Because she loves Christian heavy metal and rock and roll. Yeah. Billy G would be mortified. Mortified. Tori also loves to dance and says, when I dance, I really have to make sure that's God. Because before she said that, we saw some break dancing moves. Oh, yeah. So I guess we actually saw God breaking it down for us. Because if she <laughs> says that's God, God can break it down. So does God need like a cardboard box thrown in the ground? He, not there. So continuing on, she says that she has when she has to make sure it's for God when she dances, she continues, quote, because people will notice when I'm just dancing for the flesh. And I do that sometimes. I must admit that. And and I really had to get over that. So I'm not the only one who makes people out there. You're not the only one that makes that mistake. And I found her saying that very sad. Yeah, because you can feel the guilt embedded there. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's visceral. She's like, I have to get over that. And then I just wondered, like, what in her, what is she? She's 10. What in her 10-year-old mind makes it God or not God, you know? Like, mm-hmm. is each dance dedicated to God? Are her her dance counts linked to, like, biblical verse numbers? Like, you know, like, how does a 10-year-old decide that their dancing is for God or not for God? Is it, I'm thinking about him before I start dancing? What mm-hmm. is it, you know? And I mean this not in a ridiculing, like, ridiculous way. But is it, like, 
if you're breaking it down, like how do you quantify what those are? So is there a certain list of forbidden moves like the Lombada? Like yeah. that's what that like yeah. you know what I mean? Like the Lombada had all this stigma around it because they said that your your parts got too close to your dancing partner's parts and it made you think on pure <laughs> thoughts. Like legit, like yeah. that was you know what I mean? So it's like is it is it certain moves that are denied? Yeah, I, I like I really truly want more explanation as to like yeah. what she thinks. Like and what I am makes it not, god or not god. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I am not trying to make light of anything that we're talking about because I felt like this documentary was really good and could spur a lot of conversations. But there's a thing in Key and Peel where they talk about um certain certain end zone celebrations in the NFL were were banned now. So the running joke that they make is that they were like, you can dance, but you can only do two pelvic thrusts. And if you do a third, it's <laughs> yeah. a flag. No, so there's like... <laughs> so there's a thing where one of the players is standing there and he thrusts once and the guys that are calling the game are like, ooh, he's getting really close to that line. And then he does it again and the referee's like staring. <laughs> and then they were like, we're going to see. And he does a third one and then the flag goes up and the guy <laughs> blows his whistle. That's what this feels like. No, yeah, totally. Oh, man. Um, speaking of flags, so <laughs> Tori and her siblings are homeschooled as well. They all are. Rachel is too. They just don't show it in the... That's true, yeah. They don't show it. Mm-hmm. And we see her hug her dad, but actually Rachel's parents are shown less than yeah. really like the other parents. And there was a statistic on there that said something like 75% of um, homeschooled kids in the U.S. are evangelical. evangelical yeah. yeah. So Tori and her siblings are homeschooled, and we see see them pledge allegiance to both the Christian flag and the Bible. Mm-hmm. And have I been living under a boulder? Have you ever seen or heard of a Christian flag before? I had never seen or heard of a Christian flag <laughs> Me either. Flag I was like, I had no fucking clue. No, neither did and I. And I'm going to read these pledges to you. I pledge you, allegiance. You make me uncomfortable. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag, to the Savior to whose kingdom it stands, one brotherhood uniting all Christians in unity and in love. And then when they pledge to the Bible, they all place their hands on it, Mm -hmm. saying, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Um, So, yeah. When they they ended that pledge with, um, doing it with love. Tim Robinson went through my head. You sure about that though? Yeah. You sure about that though? <laughs> and we'll get into some of the some of the verbiage they use later on in this mm-hmm. documentary. And that's where I was like, "Oh." Um. Now it's my turn for random references, Tim. Did you notice that at one point we see because Tori's mom is preparing for camp, so you see her writing the names on the label. The kids' names on their inside the labels or clothing. It, may, it reminded me of a Muppet scene, which I could not tell you what Muppets it's from. I have no fucking clue. But I remember being a kid and get you know when you're a kid and you like you feel like you got a joke that maybe it was an adult joke or something like mm-hmm. you and you're like really fucking proud and impressed with yourself for getting it. <laughs> well, there's some Muppet thing where Miss Piggy is trying to figure out what Gonzo's name is, and so it's something about how like oh well. His parents, like something, I think it was like his. he went to camp, so his parents would have written his name in his clothing. So she pulls his, like, label, and she goes, hmm, Ralph Lauren. <laughs> and I was like, I-, I got that joke. And so to me, it stuck out as, like, this hilarious joke that I remembered the rest of my life. 
<laughs> so her writing their names made me think of Miss Piggy saying, Ralph Lauren. <laughs> I love the Muppets, David. <laughs> so taking it to camp now, which was held a few months later after the conference in August 2005, the camp is called Kids on Fire, and Becky started it in 2001. Camp is held in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Oh my. Which right in the heart? The Duggars would definitely rename it to Angel Lake, no doubt. <laughs> um, and since we're on the subject of renaming things, remember how I mentioned a while back that the Duggars won't say potluck? Yeah. And they call it a pot faith? <laughs> well, when I was looking up things for supplementals, Becky's social media... I noticed some random pictures of like crock pots full of like beanie weenies and things. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently she calls it a pot blessing. So oh. they have they have pot blessings at her church. So because, you know, luck is far too secular. So we got pot face. We got pot blessings. No pot looks. Wait till we get to Harry Potter. <laughs> Any hoozle. So preparing for the camp, we watch as Becky and other adults pray over the chairs the sound system, the computers used for PowerPoints, etc. As yep, Becky don't lose electric, like the yeah. <laughs> don't lose electricity to this building. Oh, everything you think of. Mm-hmm. And as Becky calls out, "Devil, we know what you love to do in meetings like this. We say you will not, in Jesus' name, you will not prevent this message from going out. No microphone problems, in Jesus' name." And all I could think of during this was how great this all actually works out for the AV person. <laughs> like, if there's some big problem, whether it's because of them or not, they could just be like, don't know. Does that just mean that there's... Satan like... at work again. <laughs> Does that mean there's there's potentially a lot of uh, really incompetent AV people in these camps and these performances because if they do anything wrong no one's ever no! gonna know it really takes the pressure off like low stakes for the person working in audio because there's a built-in reason for having tech <laughs> issues they're like satan satan just did not want people to hear this message you know what I'm start... their powerpoint's deleted satan <laughs> satan deleted it Audio's not syncing hmm. Hmm. we know hmm. we know I'm... who that who's I'm up start to... using that at work oh your burger was undercooked Satan must have got involved. <laughs> Satan loves messing with the temperature cook of burgers. Sure does. If there's one thing. So, just a small tidbit. Bes- you know, besides the disdain for the word luck, <laughs> another thing Becky has in common with the Duggars is hairspray. <laughs> if we were playing bingo, we would get a hairspray square as we watched Becky unload a fucking can. Oh. On that spiky do of hers. Oh yeah. She has <laughs> got some that, that spiky do. When there when that was a th- like when that was in vogue and it was starting to um this was like the Kate Gosselin era where um there's a stand up comedian that talked about her as her mom retired and kind of found new ways to use her time. She was like her big thing at first was like she colored her hair and like in a professional life she never did that. 
she's like and then now she's just at that point where you know that haircut where it just looks like it was it's so jagged it looks like it was created by a computer and it just keeps getting <laughs> sharper and sharper the more hairspray she puts into it that's what i was thinking well and becky even says at one point while she's doing her hair she's like oh i get exhausted doing this i'm like it really takes it out of her <laughs> doing this spiky do can you imagine how hard her fingertips hurt i know from right? pressing that can <laughs> If she's not hydrated enough, it'll definitely leave dents. <laughs> Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So now I'm going to touch on some things, like, more in themes, because it kind of flips all around. So I think mm-hmm. it makes more sense to talk about them in themes and not just be like, oh, and then on this, and then, oh, and then talk about it again later. Right. So the first thing I want to talk about is how this is a charismatic Pentecostal ministry which is just so opposite of how i grew up that i remember the very first time i watched this it was like a real life like mm. eye opener for me when i saw it yeah one of my good friends in high school when i met her she was apostolic so never had cut her hair wore long mm-hmm. skirts no makeup un- until one monday morning when she got off the bus in purple jeans and she had cut and dyed hair um <laughs> An abrupt change on her end. Apparently, it was coming down the pike from her mother. But, like, literally, like, for her, it was waking up one day and her mom being like, let's go buy pants. Like, so, very abrupt on her end. Never forget your first pair of pants, you know? <laughs> so, I had no concept of, like, charismatic worship type things. No fucking clue. Except for this friend telling me, like, oh, I hate it. She was like, they run around and fall on the floor. And they speak in tongues. And she was like, they try to make me do it. And I hate it. And that's all I knew. is like her telling me mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I was growing up Mormon. You sit very quiet. And still, <laughs> you sing a fucking hymn. You know? Like, you, you just, you sit there in your skirt. And it's, you just sit. And yeah, the as wild as I got was in primary singing Swallow the Prophet. But that was it. You know, I was... I was told to be reverent. That was the word. Right. It was always reverent. And it was even used at home. Like, I would clean my room and go get my mom and her, for her to, like, show it off. And she'd be like, Wendy, your room is so reverent. <laughs> so, that's all I knew. See, and coming from, coming from like, middle of the road Catholicism, the running joke with us is that you get your, you get your squats in. Because you're constantly standing up and sitting down and I've kneeling and standing Catholic. up and kneeling down and sitting. And then you sit for a little bit and then you stand and then you shake people's hands around you and then you kneel again. And then like it's a whole like aerobic workout. <laughs> and that's the running joke in the in that field. And I've st- you know, I should go to a Catholic mass like once just to be able to say that I have because like I really had it's not like my parents were like letting me go to other churches like, yeah. you know, and. I always talk about my love, my lovely little Arthur. That was one thing that Arthur said as a child when his parents would take him. And his his parents were, like, Spanish. So, very traditional Catholic. Um, but he said he remembers loving as a child, like, the the 
tradition and like the pageantry of it. And it's like walking in and holding the book and then the 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 garments and you know the big the priest's robe and he said he he actually as a kid before he even knew anything about faith he was like he remembers liking that part. I just think it's interesting. Since yeah, a lot we're of talking people about, love like, like the ritual and like those type things. That yeah, yeah that's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I didn't know any about any of this shit, and I didn't even understand. And like it was like seventh or eighth grade, and I've talked about this, but it was like that time that I went to church with my friend. And I was asking her to tell me what was going to happen that night. And I just want to also point out, because my parents would not allow me to, like, go to church with other people. This was literally just because we were doing something the next day. And it's when my parents could drop me off at her house. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, you're going to have to go to church with me. And I was like, all right. Like, it wasn't like I was going to spend the night to go to, to church. To go and do that, yeah. Nor did my parents even know that that's what I was doing. But any hoozle. So I'm like, what's going to happen? Which is full-blown anxiety where i just need to have a little bit idea of what's going to happen in every situation so i can like try to attempt to calm the fuck down and i just remember her like listing off the things that would happen and then she goes oh and then and then we'll worship and i was so confused (laughs) because i'm like what do you what do you mean worship because to me the act of going to church is worship Mm -hmm. so for her to say and then we worship i didn't fucking understand like at all like mm-hmm. I, I was and she was like you know you put your hands in the air and i'm like no no i don't know like i was like there's no understand. waving them like you didn't care no. <laughs> like i had no fucking concept so and that's when like i told you i i stood there awkwardly um clutching the clutching the free t-shirt they gave me was waiting for it to be over because i was so far outside my comfort zone i was just like just hang on to the shirt so that's how that went so seeing this was really a first for me in the documentary because I just, yeah, like you didn't I, grow up I had no idea that how yeah. this really was. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Rachel has some feelings and opinions about the way I grew up in church <laughs> because she says that God isn't in every church and calls other, some churches dead churches. And she says that people sit there we worship you, God. We worship. She's a little dweeb. Now I feel attacked. We, we worship you. There's <laughs> a lot of chanting in, in Mexican Catholicism. It's a lot of chanting. So we worship you, God. That They sing like three songs. Then they listen to a sermon. Churches that God likes to go to are churches where they're jumping up and down and shouting his name and just praising him. They're not acting. Funny that she says that. They're not acting. They're not quiet. They're hallelujah, God. Uh, you know? It's the fact that she ends oh. it with like a little like, yep. you know? <laughs> quite the She's opposite. She's so cute and I feel so bad. <laughs> I know. But quite the opposite of the reverend I grew up with. Had you ever really seen this type of like worship, like charismatic, like Pentecostal type thing before? Not, um to this level but the only time i can remember is and i've talked about this on here before like i was a big i went through like a super hard punk rocks like era of what i was listening to and then when i was kind of in like my ska days when those like started there was like two or three um like christian ska bands i would listen to 
And this also lines up with kind of the end of my time being involved in church. So it was that it was in that same vein where it was like, oh, cool. They're playing music that's in the style that I really like. And they're talking about these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I remember going to see Five Iron Frenzy, who I actually listened to like probably a month ago and like blew through all the old music that I loved of theirs and her new album. Um, but I remember going to see them and they were performing at like a church in Chandler. And it was like a it was like a mega like Christian church. And I remember going there because they had a really big auditorium thing. So we went there. We watched this concert, which was cool. And then they played like one song at the end. And then it kind of turned into that. (laughs) So it wasn't nobody was speaking in tongues and stuff like you see in this. But it was definitely out of my uh church comfort zone just because i was like what's going on were you clutching your t-shirt too i i bought a t-shirt so yes (laughs) so you're technically not wrong the funny part is we've shared experience we do the funny part is i i wore that shirt like at home as like a sleep Mm t-shirt and then for a while and it took a long time and then my when my dad realized what it was I couldn't wear it anymore. And he was like, where did you get that? Because, oh my God. I mean, I went to a Nazarene church. That is yeah. not allowed. And and and, I, and this isn't even a thing about Nazarenes. My point is, it wasn't a Mormon church. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so it you... wasn't them. It was the fact that they weren't you. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that that really good song by Bush, too? Nazarene. <laughs> yeah. Nazarene. Naz- I always Nazarene. make that joke. I always make that joke about Listerine whenever we Listerine. use Listerine. 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 <laughs> and the, re- the reason I say that is because every time I read the word Nazarene, if I like drive by that church, that's what goes through my head. Yep. Welcome so. to my life. <laughs> so yeah, my dad was not down with the uh, Orangewood Nazarene shirt I was wearing. Was it down with Bush? He was not. So, kind of all. The- while we're talking about worship, uh, we see our first full-blown, I guess, worship, you'd say, about nine minutes or so into the documentary, and it's back at the prayer conference. And here's what Becky said. If you don't open your mouth, the Holy Spirit can't talk. I want everyone to raise your hands, and we're going to pray in tongues. Hallelujah, let's do it. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And then she starts immediately speaking in tongues. Making and noises with her mouth. And everybody else immediately starts speaking in tongues, all the kids. And I remember seeing this for the first time and being like, so it just happens like like that? Like like she's saying, we're going to speak in tongues and then you just And then you do. do it. You do? Like I just could not wrap my head around it because my friend telling me just a little bit about it. I had come to this conclusion on my own. You know, when you start trying to, like, connect dots. I thought it was more like a random person, maybe in the middle of some sermon or something, or a couple, starts speaking in tongues because they feel like the Holy Spirit or something, right? Nothing could have prepared me for it being like a like a group activity with a kickoff. There should have been a countdown. <laughs> Speaking in tongues commencing in three, two, one. 
I I could I was not I was like what like it's just like we're do we're doing this like mm-hmm. okay we're doing this and then everybody does it like yeah. I was not prepared for that the very first time I saw it like d- that's just not how I thought it happened I thought it yeah. was supposed to be like oh, you're like, so overwhelmed with I mean said feeling it's that... obviously I think people probably can pick up on the fact that I don't believe it anyway personally mm-hmm. but still I had this idea of like okay they believe. They're overcome by this, but I'm like, but why is there like a like a like a go time? Like I don't understand this group go. Like yeah. it's like a fucking race, and it's like you got the the horn. <laughs> it it just it really threw me off. Yeah. <laughs> so as I'm watching now, years later, now my focus, I, I've gotten over that. I mean, I still notice it, but that was <laughs> that was like the initial shock years mm-hmm. ago. But now my focus is on how I wonder how each child felt in this moment yeah like how much pressure do they feel in that moment to feel what they are being told to feel and do because she just like she just let the horn go off right like it's the start of the race and then it was interesting um because when i was doing my research afterwards i came across an ama of a guy who said he was at the camp and that his sister is the girl on the cover Oh, interesting. And they they zoom in on her twice. uh, Actually, three different times in Mm -hmm. it because she's got a good cry face and she gets into it. Yeah. So he said that they actually approached his family, but his family didn't want to film at their home. So they were okay with like being like, well, you can show our kid, you know, in it, but we're not going to do like the like the follow thing. Mm -hmm. Any hoozle. So he's he has this AMA. And in this thread, someone else who attended the camp previously commented, um, like, a post with their, just, like, bullet points of their various memories. And here was their bullet point about what they had to say about speaking in tongues. Ooh. One night, they did an altar call for anyone who wanted the gift of speaking in tongues. Because if you weren't speaking in tongues while you worshipped, you were preventing God from working through you. Which, I mean, that would explain even more pressure right there. If you're not, if you're not doing it, you must be preventing God somehow. So mm-hmm. there's, there's the beginning part to it. But it keeps going. So if you wanted to receive the gift, you had to walk down to the front and people would pray over you. And they'd stick a mic in your face and you'd speak in tongues. I was all heck no techno about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed in the back and sang along with the songs. A group of adults saw I was not speaking in tongues yet pulled me into this aisle, surrounded me, laid their hands on me, and started praying over me. One dude had his hand right on my forehead and was pressing back so I couldn't really stand up straight. Eventually, I felt a panic attack coming on, so I just faked it. I faked speaking in tongues so that these people would just get off of me. And they started crying and hugging and thanking God. Ugh, it was awful. Wow, God. And that right there confirmed exactly... Mm-hmm. what i wondered and was fearing mm-hmm. and that's fucking terrible to do to a child. you're forcing it so this they're like physically like forcing this child but i feel like you're forcing it even by just putting him in a room and saying and we're gonna speak in tongues and this if and that's all the spirits here and mm-hmm. that's how you're pre- you know and telling them that if you don't otherwise you're preventing god of course they're all gonna start speaking in tongues because they're like this is what we do now and if i don't do it and everybody else is yeah. everybody's going to notice or I'm doing it wrong. Cause it could be either from 
just simply not wanting other people to know or also a fear of like not being good enough. Mm-hmm. There's multiple ways that this could be affecting a child right now. Mm-hmm. And we've spoken a little bit about that I- that idea that like if if you don't feel these things, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And you've seen this through us talking about the Duggars. Y- you've said this when we've talked about your upbringing through the Mormon church. I think I've probably glanced that subject a couple times when I've talked about my upbringing. And I feel like you just see that a lot where is it is it something that happens naturally to you or are you peer pressured into it yep. because of this group? Exactly. And you're just left being like, and whether you want to feel it super badly or you're just left being like, like for me, I... I didn't have this urge to want to to necessarily feel what other people were talking about, but mm. I just kept wondering, am I really the only one? Yeah. And so, like, that was what, like, and I don't feel like I, I didn't, I wasn't even pressuring myself. I think I was good to myself in mm. the sense that I was like, you're okay. Like, I wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I had to be, but I still could never get over being like, but, but are you, like, really it? Like, am I really the only person here? Mm-hmm. Am I really that different from everybody here is what yeah. stuck with me. That feeling. I will say this. This documentary and this dig has me feeling all sorts of feelings. Yeah. Because it's like opening up a lot of like dumb stuff that like I didn't really remember. Um, and one of them is like the same idea. I remember being in like after normal church. They had... I mean, technically youth group, it was like the high school aged kids. And I remember we did this thing where like they brought your parents in on this one day and then had this thing about you and your parents and growing up. And it was just this other kind of like mini meeting that we were in. And I remember there was a point that we were all supposed to like hold hands with our family and like close our eyes and like think about what the speaker was saying. And I remember the speaker saying something that I was like, I wholeheartedly disagree with that statement. And I remember feeling so uncomfortable because the way that it was described was like, if this isn't the way you think, like, you're not secure in your faith and you don't have this with God and your relationship isn't. And I remember at first being annoyed because I was like, I don't, that's not how I approach my relationship with my parents. So first of all, that's weird. And then second, now you're telling me that I'm not enough because I don't feel this way. And I remember in it, like, opening my eyes, like, one eye, <laughs> and I, like, glanced around to, like, see Did you get yelled at by your dad like I did by mine? <laughs> I did not. But I remember looking around and being like, am I the only one that thinks this is asinine? Like, that statement yeah, yeah. was asinine? Yeah. And I remember looking around, and I was the only one. So I just kind of stared down at my lap for the rest of the time. And what's interesting... I was like, Go ahead. Is as we get older, you probably weren't the only one. No, not you're, at all. You're just the only one peaking. But in the moment, and like I'm, and I know, I know now, I wasn't the only one. But at the time, you feel like the only one, and it's like, and that's where these kids, if they're literally being told, oh, if you don't start speaking in mm. tongues at the horn, you're like, uh, uh, oh, I didn't even do that to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was saying uh as in like uh you know but I mean it's not too far off yeah. but it's making them feel like they're not enough yeah or so they're fake. fake or they've done something wrong yep. or and 
Because if it's not coming through, because they literally just said, then you're like, you're preventing God. So it's like, oh God, there's something wrong with me. Don't let everybody know that there's something mm-hmm. wrong with me. And it's a spiral because it leads you. And I know this because I, my feelings went from this is dumb. I don't agree with this. To am I the only one that doesn't agree with this? To open my eyes. And then there was guilt about being the only one that had kind of looked around. There was shame over the fact of like, am I just not doing this right? Like, that's how it felt, too. It was mm-hmm. like, I feel like I'm not doing this right. But then when I looked in, once I look at it from an, an older adult perspective, perspective yeah. I look at it and I'm like, that's that's not, that's not, well, I, it's not that I wasn't doing it right. I was just analyzing things and I didn't agree with that statement. Yeah. And then I'm not, I'm not saying that at that point it should have been like, I'm done with this yeah. church. But it was just like that statement in itself because there's no ability to have open discourse about a lot of these things. It's literally just, nope, you got to believe or you got to get peer pressured into speaking in tongues. That's how you think about the guilt and the shame that exists there. And I think that's what kind of breaks my heart with, um, with watching this documentary is that mm-hmm. you see, oh... Oh, there is one child. I think we're. Oh, I, I, I think I. That little blonde kid, the little blonde boy. Yeah, we're gonna get there. Yeah, we're. Yep. Ready me to move on to the next thing, and then we'll eventually get there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, after the speaking in tongues scene at the conference, it cuts to Becky watching footage of the kids speaking in tongues, in her home, particularly a little girl from the conference, mm-hmm. the one from the cover. And she says, <laughs> Becky says, quote, she's not in a trance. She's not out of it. She's very aware of what's going on. She's just hooking up with the spirit, <laughs> which. Phrasing, Becky. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Quite the word choice. <laughs> hooking up with the spirit. Um, and then, but you know, like when I was like, you know, when I was like a teenager, like hooking up can mean a lot of different things too. <laughs> like lots of different things. So it's like, whoa, whoa, Becky. There was there's tears of hooking up. Are we not doing phrasing anymore, like Archer? So Becky then talks about how she can lead kids who know nothing about Christianity to being able to see visions and hearing God in just minutes. Oh, in no time. Because of how open they are, and quote, they are so usable. Becky was feeling herself. <laughs> she was. She was like, I could have them go from nothing to this in no time. Yep. <laughs> Think about how many visual aids she has. <laughs> Um, but the verbiage of usable in Christianity just Mm -hmm. takes it back to what I said earlier, where I'm not sure Becky likes kids as much as she likes what kids can, can do to further her beliefs. Yep. So just, uh, usable guys. Yep. This is the part that she said that made me feel icky. Now I just want to talk about some more moments that made me uncomfortable as I feel like they were rooted in guilt, pressure, and shame. And here we go, Tim. This one is probably what bothers me the most of anything in the entire film. And it's when at the camp, Becky says, quote, I sense in my heart tonight what I heard the Lord say is that there are some kids here that they say they're Christians. They go to church all the time, but you're one thing when you're at church and you're another thing when you're at school with your friends. You're a phony and a hypocrite. Pause. You watch these kids go through thinking... Like, literally analyzing their life choices. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like I would be deeply bothered by this regardless, but I feel like it hit me a little harder because it made me think back to that friend that I talked about before where when we graduated eighth grade and we were headed to separate high schools, she hit me with the I'm afraid you're going to hell email mm-hmm. that I, I read and never responded to and we never really spoke again but like beyond um, adult pleasantries like twice on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> But we were never, like, friends again. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, kind of like we've been talking about, you look at things differently because you're an adult. Mm-hmm. And so now I can see that she was a kid doing what she had been taught to do. Correct. But at the time, I, I don't blame younger me at the time for being shocked and thrown off and feeling judged and feeling like it came out of nowhere. I don't think that younger me was wrong, you know, like, because it was... We were kid to kid. We were friend to friend, you know? And so I feel like my feelings were valid to be, like, upset by it. And I don't expect younger me to necessarily be like, well, she's just doing what the adults in her life do. You know what I mean? You don't... <laughs> yeah. when you're you both, don't have that context. Yes. And you're both the yeah. same fucking age. Like, you're... It's, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just look at it differently now. But another thing that stuck out to me from that email from my friend was almost verbatim to what Becky said. I don't remember my friend calling herself a phony, but I do remember her specifically calling herself a hypocrite and saying that she was two different people. She said that she was a person in our friend group, and then there was a person that she was, like, outside of it. And I also remember being really confused by that, because I didn't feel like we were, like... (laughs) I didn't think then, and I still now don't think that we were, like, some bad kids doing, like, bad things. Like we weren't. We, we were just kids. So when she said that at the time, I felt like she was saying that she was bad and that when she was with us, like, we were bad or something. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. how I took it at the time. Which, of course, struck a chord for me because my whole life I felt like an outsider for not being churchy enough. With my dad at my church, even with my dad's whole side of the family that we saw weekly. We were all, I was always the not churchy enough girl. I was not Molly Mormon where everybody else seemed to be. Mm-hmm. And then it just felt like here was my friend. Like fucking piling on top of it, you know? Yeah. So it was really interesting to hear Becky say, you're one thing when you're at church and you're another thing when you're at school with your friends. You're a phony and a hypocrite because it just sounded so much like my friend's email. And obviously I can't know for sure, but I don't think it's crazy to think that she was being fed the same messaging of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I feel deeply sad for her. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, that poor kid just thought like she was, it wasn't. So like I was taking at the time of like, God, she or she is judging me. But then she was also being like, Oh my God, I'm doing it wrong because I'm just like two different people. I'm a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And if I don't tell this to my friend, like, I'm not being the same person. Yep. So I'm like, yeah, she was getting it too. I thought I was getting it. And I'm like, she was getting it too. And if you don't remember, Whitney talks about the point in her life having to, she felt like she had to make a choice of like, am I a good kid or a bad kid? And that's how this feels a lot too. Yeah. A lot of that feels like that. And think of, think of the environment that you're in or that these children are in at the time. And the adults that are around and what they're there for and the pressure from their parents and the pressure from these ideas and what they're supposed to do and 
how they're supposed to act. And that's why, like, that was the most visceral part of this for me, was watching children that are super young hear that verbiage. And you literally see them kind of, like, where you do that thing where you're trying to think through where you left something. And your eyes are kind of, like, darting around because you're starting to think through everything but you're not really like focusing your eyes on anything that's what you saw and i was like how much are these kids filled with guilt and shame right now thinking about all of the stuff and it comes back and the reason why it hit me so hard is i made this joke on this podcast before i remember having a very similar thing happen where it's like think about all of the bad things that you've done like specifically towards your parents and i'm like I haven't done anything to my parents. So then I started thinking about like, what was the last time that my parents yelled at me about something? And it was because I left two water cups in my room. And I remember specifically thinking, am I a horrible kid? Because I left two cups in my room. Yeah. Think about that through the context now where you're like, that's stupid. Yeah. But that was where my head went. (laughs) Where I was like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it does to you. So after Becky tells them that they're hypocrites and phonies, she tells them it's time to clean up their act and get washed because, quote, we can't have phonies in the army of God. And then says, if that's you, put your hands up here. Whoa, baby, wash your hands. And of course, she is then surrounded by children to get washed. Mm -hmm. Not one or two. She's surrounded. Because either they truly think they're a phony and a hypocrite that needs washing, or they think they're supposed to think they're a phony and a hypocrite who needs washing. Mm-hmm. Either option is not good. Yeah. Can we talk about how she's just pouring bottled water on them? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, naturally. So she's washing them with the word of God, she says, but which is naturally um, a bottle of Nestle brand water. So. <laughs> I know, it totally as it is, as holy, you know, like you know, yeah. word of God is Nestle, so yeah, to be expected. See, Mexican Catholics use a lot of holy water for stuff, so I don't know if Nestle water would have been in our toolbox necessarily. Nestle. You know. <laughs> so um, then she's yelling that they all know exactly what they need to repent of and. Name it out loud. Repent. And honestly, it's a terrible scene to watch because these kids are sobbing in a way that doesn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Coming from a person who knows a fucking thing or two about sobbing <laughs> and knows what it's like to have like release, whether it be good or, you know, mm-hmm. um, one particular boy like fucking kills me because his face is just like. He's fucking wrecked. He's in so much anguish, yeah. But given the message that was just delivered, it's not like uplifted, emotionally wrecked. Like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's not me watching that man learning to put his wife's makeup on her kind of wrecked. It's like bad wrecked. It's like not good. Yeah. And then it gets worse. Because here it is, Tim. (sighs) A little boy gets on the microphone. And they don't show his name at this point. Mm-hmm. But I know him to be Andrew Summercamp. Uh, yes, really. 
He's at camp. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, are you protecting his name? No, it's summer camp. Like, summer camp. Oh, my goodness. Um, can't make this shit up. It's too good. Um that's the only laugh we get out of this little boy. It really because it's, is. <laughs> but that's a pretty good name for this. Hmm. But then he, he gets up there and he says, I just want to talk about... Uh, I just want to talk about belief in God. I've been having a hard time with it. To believe in God is hard because you don't see him. You don't know him much. Sometimes I don't don't even believe what the Bible says. It makes me a faker. It makes me feel guilty and bad because God has always talked to me about that and I've kind of rejected him. And this poor fucking kid, he's like, he's literally saying how he's having a hard time and this makes him feel fake and guilty. Like, that's as real as it gets to admit your struggle to believe in a setting like this. Oh, yeah. Like, that's like fucking ballsy and like Mm -hmm. so he's being as real as you can be and meanwhile he's not following it up with the grand story like it's in the past he's talking in the present he's going through now people love the story where you can talk about the struggle Mm -hmm. and i wasn't even believing and i had a hard time but as but as long as you overcame it Mm -hmm. but to talk about it in the present uh uh-uh yeah to be currently struggling and just telling everybody Mm -hmm. so it's like, I, I already feel so bad that, like, this is making him, just even having any kind of question is making him feel so bad inside to, like, say, like, I'm a faker and, like, mm-hmm. makes me feel guilty. And maybe it's just how it's edited. But as he says this, they show the faces of Becky. She kind of looks kind of, like, sternly, intently listening. And then another pastor is kind of, like, looking around. Tori is, like, fucking shocked when he says he says. T- Sometimes he doesn't believe what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And just in general, they show faces of kids, including like oh, Rachel, yeah. just like looking around kind of shocked and anxious at what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And um, it's quite a scene. It really, really sticks out. Yep. Poor it's not the only moment with this boy either. No. It's like heart wrenching. Yep. And then he just like sits there and he's like staring up like, I guess like worshiping ear or like whatever, yeah. but like. And once again, it was it was edited. These clips were edited. But I'm like, no one's going to that, like, child's aid or his support or, like, it felt like they just kind of moved on after. Yeah. Like, if somebody is vulnerable enough to tell you in that setting that they have feelings that way, talk to them. Like, if that's what you're here for, you're setting yourself up as adults that are this supposed support system and this community there. And I felt like they kind of just left him hanging to dry. Yep. Yep. I did too. Now let's take a little breather. Talk about something a little lighter. Need it. Harry Potter. (laughs) Becky had some shit to say about Harry Potter. (laughs) She said, Harry Potter, warlocks are enemies of God. Had it been in the Old Testament... Harry Potter would have been put to death. First of all, you're coming in with real hot, Becky. (laughs) The second thing is in this part, when she's standing up on that stage, she says, let's talk about Harry Potter. I think she was holding for like booze. (laughs) I didn't notice. I'll have to rewatch it. 
there is such an awkward pause that if she had had cards, she probably would have looked at it and in parentheses it would have said, hold for booze. Because there was an awkward pause. I would hold for booze. Yeah, same. And then she like realizes how awkward it is and yells, warlocks are the enemies of God. Because it was that thing where she didn't nearly get the reaction she wanted and then she was like, shit, I gotta pull this out of the fire. Oh, Becky. <laughs> uh, it was pretty funny, though, because it pops up again later yeah. when they're, the, they're they're eating in, like, the camp cafeteria, right? And it's a table of boys and Levi's brother, who they don't tell his name in it, but his name is Luke, by the way. Okay. Um, Luke says to his mom as she's passing by with her tray, he says, Mom, doesn't he look like Harry Potter? <laughs> he says of one of the other boys at the table. A bit, Yes. She replies, while I'm sure horrified um, inside that her son would even mention such evils on camera. I mean, how embarrassing for her. And a different boy at the table announces how his mom doesn't let him watch Harry. So the one that says the one that looks like Harry Potter is like, I'm not allowed to watch the movie. So fucking Harry can't watch his own story over here. (laughs) And then another kid at the table says that his mom doesn't let him watch Harry Potter because of the witchcraft, so he just watches it at his dad's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about faker over Dude, here. Dude, and the reactions at the table are fucking <laughs> hilarious. There's like actual darting of eyes. Did you see that kid? I was like, this kid is like, doesn't know what the fuck to do. Like, he's like, his eyes are darting all over the place. It's the meme. It's the meme with that little monkey puppet. Yes. No, it is. Dude, to the fucking max. Like, it is is crazy. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my. (laughs) Freaking Harry can't read his own stories. (laughs) It's. And then. This heating of Harry uh, was not a one-time deal, mind you. Becky has always had beef with Harry. Because the poster in that AMA that I mentioned earlier said one year, quote, I remember her pulling out a metal sword and manically hacking at a Harry Potter pinata while screaming about witches. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't end there. Because chapter 9 of her 2011 book is dedicated to the topic of Harry Potter. Oh, wow. And the chapter itself isn't that interesting. It's it's basically just that any witchcraft is bad and, you know, it's it's what you'd expect. And she's just like, and people say he's a wizard. That's not any better. Like, you know, or she's like, people want to know why why I'm okay with um, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. We know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because there's, like, people always are, like, there's, like, the religious stuff behind it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, so I'm, like, we know why, Becky. But she's, like, in that movie, it's clear that the witch is the, is the, what what is the word, word, like, the villain. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. And she's, like, but in Harry Potter, he's the hero. She's, like, we can't. So that's the difference. She's She's upset about PR spin. Yeah. Do you think Hagrid, do you think Harry himself knows that he's now a visual aid? You're a visual aid, Harry. (laughs) Like, do you think he knows? I just want to know. Harry, if you're listening, let us know. Um, But you know what I think her real issue is with uh, Harry? I think she sees Harry as her competition. I believe it. She said, quote, I have said repeatedly since this ministry began, kids are hungry for the supernatural. 
I constantly preach to anyone who will listen that they are drawn to the supernatural like a moth is drawn to the light. Unfortunately, most of the time, they can find the supernatural everywhere except in our churches, where they should be finding true, glorious, powerful supernatural presence of the living God in an ongoing, life-changing basis. It's no wonder they're flocking to Harry Potter. He's filling a deep spiritual need in their heart of hearts. See? Wow. He's your competition. She's she, mad. She only wants kids buying her brand of Supernatural, not true, Harry's. True, So. So do we need to make like a version of Harry Potter that doesn't have any wizardry in it? You're not a wizard, Harry. You're not a wizard. <laughs> it's going to be like 27 <laughs> words and that's it. Yeah. The story's going to end when they describe him like in the cupboard underneath the stairs and then they're like, the end. <laughs> yeah. And then it's 74 pages of blank. I think she that's about as good as it yep. she can help for. I also cracked up in her book when she wrote, quote, While fixing supper one night, I saw a few minutes of a Harry Potter movie before I had a chance to turn the channel. In this clip, Harry's aunt was saying some very mean and cruel things about Harry's parents in his presence. Harry became livid and inadvertently put some, some curse on his aunt, which caused her to blow up like a helium balloon and float out the window. And I only bring this up because I was chuckling to myself because I, this created an image, like an image in my head. Just imagine Becky, okay? Just, I could see her acting like she's trying to change the channel, but doing it in like extreme slow motion because I feel like she wanted to actually see what was happening. Yeah. And I can't be convinced like otherwise. I don't think... Becky was exactly like diving to get to the remote as fast as possible. You know what I mean? So I just yeah. have this vision of her in her house. And because we see we see her house like in mm. the... So like I could just like... My whole brain put together this whole scene of her being like, Oh, change the channel! <laughs> see, the energy I have with what you're talking about was the Instagram reels or the TikToks where it's like my husband watching the show I'm watching... And it's like him walking through the the living room and just kind of stopping. And then it shows later on and he's standing there, but he still has like stuff. And he progressively sits down. Mm -hmm. Like that's what that's what I imagine her doing. She's washing a dish that's not even in her hand anymore. She just has the towel and she's just spinning it as she's watching the TV. No, that's how no, that's exactly how and I'm like, this lady was not like diving to get this shit (laughs) off her screen. You know what I mean? I was like, come on, Becky. Oh, man. (laughs) In our final chapter of Harry Potter, see what I did there? Um, Levi did later say that he read the books and he liked them. Interesting. So, Becky has to be, like, punching air hearing (laughs) that one. Or maybe she had to go pick up, like, another pinata and sword. You know, I don't know. but Harry! (laughs) She stands outside. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get you for this, Harry. What did you say Levi's brother's name is? Luke. So first of all, the entire time when they would say his name was Levi, all I thought of was jeans. So when you said that his his brother was never really like named on there, I was really hoping his brother would be named Lee. Oh, that would have been good. It's another L name, but it's damn, that would have been funny. His parents fucked done fucked up. Or they just love jeans. They could have been 
Levi and Lee. <laughs> oh, missed opportunity. Damn it. Oh, man. That would have been good. Well, we have actually come to the decision that we're going to make this a two-parter because this is the halfway point of my dig. <laughs> and we're how long into this? A while. <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, we've decided to make this a two-parter, which actually I'm happy about because as long as this was, I was, like, nearly 17 pages, mm-hmm. um, I was majorly cutting shit at the end. Like, literally, like, shit where I'm like, oh, like, it kind of pained me, but I'm like, this mm-hmm. is already so fucking long. So then the fact that we've talked and it just got even longer, I'm like, great, I can go back now and add in a lot more details that I cut for next yep. week. So mm-hmm. I will be doing some reworkings and we will continue on with Jesus camp next week. <laughs> That's a good one. I, so if we're going to cut it, do you have uh, something you're digging on? I do, but as always, you are, uh, you go first. Okay. Mine, mine have been very um, things you can, media you can consume recently and I realized that amongst, at a pretty young age, I felt very comfortable telling people that were in a friend group how I felt. So it's a couple things. It's, I feel like I've always been really supportive of people that I care about. And I feel like on that same vein, I've always tried to support them as much as I can. You know, the, the, the things recently have been like, hang out with people that like inflate your balloon. And just like add to your positive energy and celebrate you when you've when you've done something momentous and support you when you feel like you're not your best. And I feel like I learned how to do that at a pretty young age. So what I'm digging on is telling people, even if it's something relatively small, something positive about what they're doing. And the example I'll give you, we have a gentleman that is training at my restaurant right now and they brought him in and he had to go through all the training so if you are serving staff or bar staff you have to train at the host stand you have to train as a food runner slash busser you have to train as a a bartender and then you get your server training like your bartender server training go there but you have to learn all the positions right so it'd be the equivalent of me bringing in a line cook and being like, you're going to train on dish for a little bit, and then you're going to train on prep, and then you're going to go to the line. Cool idea, right? You get you get an idea of this the people that are working with you and what they can do to help you and how you can help them back. So we have this gentleman that is training. I didn't even know he was a server. I thought he was just a, a busser food runner, and he was amazing. He had a great attitude. He very quickly talked to the the line staff so the line staff became very endeared to him because they treated he treated them like they were real human beings which doesn't happen all the time um and it's like so he got to know them super well they love him and then when you have a team that's doing that they're all going to help each other and then i saw him training as a server one day and i'm like dude what are you doing he goes oh this is what i applied for and i was like oh awesome so sorry i know this is a long winding story but Um, when you get done with your training as a front of the house staff member, you have to certify. 
and there's a test that you take to make sure you have all the knowledge that you should have. And then you also do some online training things, but then you have to certify. And certification is usually you serving two to three managers or above of your store. And if a regional is there that day, then you serve the regional. And they try to throw a couple curveballs at you, but they're not assholes you know it's very much like does that have gluten in it or can i get that with no dairy or you know they're throwing those questions to make sure that you've kind of studied up and i watched this young man who was very confident and very friendly be so nervous and not like debilitatingly but you could just tell that he was like man i'm trying so hard i'm worried at one point he came and he was like i just hope i'm doing good a good job and i'm like Look, man, I'm like, you have such an amazing attitude. You have great energy. And I'm like, you have all the answers. I was like, having to having to ask something very specific from the chef is also not a death sentence when it comes to that certification. You know what I mean? I'm like, you have that there. I'm like, we have your back, dude. You're good. And he passed, and he was so excited that he passed. And then he came in the next day for his like first, like, I'm a real boy shift. I'm a real boy. Um, and at the end of the night, he was doing his checkout with the manager and the manager said something to him and he was like, I don't know. I just, I just really hope I'm doing a good job. And I was like, no, I like it, you know? Yeah. So before he left, I was like, dude, I just want to tell you, I'm like, as somebody who sees a lot of serving staff in my entire career, I'm like, you're a fucking delight, dude. Like everything has been amazing. So I feel like, especially as management, and and being around other people or depending on how old you are i feel like we don't say those things out loud even if we think them and i feel like that's a very antiquated way of managing and interacting with human beings so hmm. i guess what i'm digging on is even if it's something small like like that like that was a small thing in my day i didn't need to have that conversation with him but i wanted to because i wanted him to know the fact that like dude we appreciate you mm -hmm. so i oh, think those it's things are so important i think it goes along with the pickle we just had about kind of like these little random things that like it was on random acts of kindness mm -hmm. but it's like that's like one of those little things where even if you're not going like i'm doing a random act of kindness it's just realizing what does somebody maybe need what would i maybe need or want mm -hmm. and just if you have a moment just giving it to that person mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be a big blown up thing it can literally be like a you did amazing today, you know? Yeah. So. Yep. Say those little things. They're important. They are. Well, mine is um. less epic. <laughs> I feel like we flip-flop on do, it. We do. But mine, um, mine is that I'm fucking digging on a fucking patio. <laughs> I'm a bitch that loves a patio. And our patio is nice this year. Cause we got our, we have our, our clover came in. We have our mm -hmm. rock out. We'd gotten some new, um, furniture mm -hmm. like in the last like six months or so or like whatever. So I've been, we've been enjoying like sitting out there. M Mildred has been a macho young lady <laughs> and, uh, she's been sitting out there with us. And Cause what she used to do is if she got out, she would sprint over to the grass, eat grass and then puke somewhere. Or, yeah, and just, like, kind of, like, hunker, runaway places. But now she just, she's, she's she coming out. She comes and chills. She comes and chills. And she'll even, like, turn in at a certain point. Like, she'll be done after a while and, like, all right, I'm going in now. Like, and she just walks back into the house and we're like, all right. Yeah. But, like, 
she's been laying on the little couch with me. Like, I've been going out even on days that I work, like, to take, like, 15 minutes. I go out and I just lay on the couch out there. And she's been coming and laying with me. And I'm like, isn't this nice? Yeah. And not even just at home. I fucking love a patio in public. Mm. Like, Tim and I have certain restaurants that he'll be like, oh, do you want to go here? And I'm like, no, 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 save that for patio season. Yeah. Because, like, if you have a good patio, then, like, this is a time of year where I'm like, we got to go to this place while it's patio weather. Because patio weather is short-lived here, okay? That is a fact. It's short-lived. But, like, we went, I'll be like, we got to go here during patio weather. We got to go here during patio weather. Save that restaurant. They are a summer restaurant because they don't have a good patio, you know? <laughs> so And, like, last week we went to a restaurant we've never been to. And I'm like, this is, I'm like, add it to the list. They had a good patio. We were next to a little waterfall. And I'm like, good patio. So um, love a patio. I love that Mildred is joining us. So it's a catio. It is a delight all around. Agree 100%. And I have actually two more things to say. Okay. Now it's day two of recording. Today's one year since Mildred had the last of her teeth removed. Her little teethies. So I posted a little uh, tribute to her teethies on instagram it's a short very short reel like maybe five pictures where her mouth is open and you can see teeth <laughs> because that is no more no so, longer the case um so i posted that little tribute to her little teethies and the one year anniversary of her surgery yeah um and also so you know last week my digging on was welcome to heidi mm-hmm. so mm. i posted uh her some of her posts in our instagram because then i save them to the highlight reels and i tagged her and i just said um this was my digging on this week gonna share a few and then she replied and she said (laughs) so sweet thanks and then i didn't fangirl or say the words fangirl which means i did say fangirl (laughs) um i replied to her and i was like oh my god fangirling i was just like i love it i love your content you're so inspiring you're so like i was like i love your your insight you're a wonderful storyteller and then she replied to me again and then liked a bunch of our stories. So basically what I'm saying is like me and Heidi are like besties. Like best friends, yeah. So it's like, you know, if you have any questions about Heidi, just ask me. Heidi, if you're listening. I mean, I mean, we're besties, so of course she's listening. <laughs> Damn, this is the first time you've said they're actually listening. <laughs> Write it down, guys. Write no, it down. The people that I brought up are listening. So, uh, yeah, me and Heidi, we're just like cool because, you know, I didn't tell her, oh, my God, fi- fangirling. No, I didn't say that. No, not at all. Because I'm always cool as a pickle. <clears throat> you look like that kid when he said he, the other one said he's watching <laughs> My Harry eyes Potter. are darting like... everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Love a fucking patio, people. Love it. It's that time of year. Yeah. All right. Well, as usual, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. Where there's bonus content, just so you guys know. Mm-hmm. bonus pickle episodes i post recipes there's a mildred monday every monday mm-hmm. so bonus content the dumb things that i reference sometimes i repost those videos yep enjoy our episode visuals and other shenanigans on instagram at digging up the duggers pod like mildred's uh ode, the ode to her teefies the ode to teefies and if you'd like to send us anything traditional mail we do have a p.o box 5973 glendale arizona 85312 Tell those people out there those little things that you appreciate about them.